0: Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 14th of June 2020. You know, like, vision. You wonder though, if you have any vision left with the way things are going. But it's not your fault, because you're going through an amazing planned change of a system worldwide. And we have been for quite a long time, in fact. Remember, when we heard all those talks from Bush Sr., about his wonderful New World Order coming into view and all that kind of stuff. And then his son, about 10 years later, when he was president, gave a similar speech about the New World Order. And even before that, you had speeches around the same time as the first one, actually, Gorbachev gave talks about the World Order as they blended the systems together and got rid of the Cold War at that time. Which of course they're resurrecting now because it's just too lucrative for the big military industrial complex. But, there are also bit new world orders, you see. Kissinger, in his last talk about April or so, talked about the new world order again, a new, a new new world order. And lots of new normals all the time and new world orders and things like that. And you've been going through it, of course. For quite some time. A lot of it was before even this COVID thing came along. And I've been talking about it for years, coming for years and years and years. Back in the 90s, I talked about the schooling of children and what it was intended to do in the modern schooling. It was, and it really was blatant social engineering. And I went through the techniques of where they use music to, to drive home ideas too with each upcoming generation. And, and adult, and they adapt to it little by little for each generation's group. If you're stuck in, say you're born in, uh, in the 1999 uh, or something like that. And really, you, you, 2001 came along and the big change happened then. But before then too, you had the, 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 social engineering school where they were teaching you what Norman Dodd talks about in the Rees Commission was the the, the the amalgamation of a Sovietized system or, or socialized system. Remember, so, the Soviet system, as Khrushchev said, and Lenin, and Lenin did too, and Stalin, Stalin especially, you like equip about it, uh, that uh, communism was socialism in a hurry. Socialism is, is a, a, an in-between step to communism or collectivism run by experts. That's what it's about. And they've been training the, the children for years and years into this, and then again through their entertainment and that takes over even when they're out of school or high school or college and so on. And um, you get updated through movies and and for and lots and lots of talk shows that are on mainstream television and have been on for about twenty thirty years probably. Uh, you have no idea of the the, the incredible effectiveness of. Or efficacy, I should say, of psychological conditioning through persuasion and creating consent, you know. The stuff that uh, Bernays talked about and others really upped it since his day with behavioral experts really studying and and studying and studying us all minutely. There's nothing they don't know about us and how to make us change this and change that and do. Look at the farce. Of the COVID idea. I've got some of that to touch on tonight. And a few other things too to touch on tonight. But what's happening with the COVID idea is part of the revolution. And that didn't work for overpopulation. You see, there's too many of you, you folks there, you see. And I've I've given so many talks about that too. You've watched all kind of new definitions of men and women, all that kind of stuff. And even having children or family, etc. And, and, and then Torah indoctrination in children and families are bad now because they consume things and, and the world can't afford to have all these things consumed because the elite who rule it are really upset. They want their progeny down in the future to have all those things for themselves. And if you're having it all now, they won't have that for their progeny, you see. So, if, for your own good, they want to eliminate you, you understand. You, you, you gotta see it from their point of view. And that's what we're going through—a a very, yes, it's completely scientifically organized and arranged through the Sage organization and all the other organizations that work with governments. Like in Britain, they're more open, well, a little bit more open, with their Cobra for terrorism. But they also admit the Sage and, and the group, uh, uh, the subgroup of Sage and the, and the BIT group, and so on. Uh, they're managing our minds through this whole coronavirus. Um, Terror, you see, because it's a terror It's, it's a war of terror on the public I've said it so many times since the beginning When the media went into overdrive and, and then you find out, sure enough The media were given And I'll put some of this up tonight They were given uh, an outline By this very group From the, from the British government <laughs> on how to use, uh, to heighten anxiety amongst the public by giving them terrifying stories and so on to try to make them all to conform to obedience by the experts. So they admit it now, which was obvious anyway. I I don't need admissions when you can see it for yourself. that media, of course, was complicit. This terrible media, as I say, that had lost so much. Look look for years now that, that they start charging money for folk to look into the newspapers and to see their opinion columns and things like that because uh, there, there are no real reporters now You've got, yeah they know how to put a story together but they, like everybody else they sit on their gluteus maximus uh, and they, they, they basically get it from the ethernet all, all the information like everybody else and they don't go on the spot but they're, they're just as complicit as they were before that because newspapers were always on board with government policies, and every newspaper wanted to have prestige, even the small local ones wanted prestige, and so they get in on the town councils and things like that, and they get little quips and and uh, off the cuff uh, interviews and so on and if you 're not not playing ball with politicians, for instance, eventually you 're not, you're not allowed in. To the meetings, so all the ones who are allowed in are compromised. They're on board and they have the little gestures and, and winks and all that, and they know how to play the game of deceiving the public. And eventually, they actually think they're part of the ruling class that that manages the public because they manage your mind, and they manage your minds. You see, and. They've always been doing. Even when they'd had field reporters, uh, they were on board with all the wars that came down the pike, Basically, when it suited the elite in their own countries uh, to take over the resources of other nations and so on. I know that. Uh, well, I could go on and on and on, on about how Britain recovered from didn't recover really, but London recovered from World War Two by continuing the military industrial complex in Britain. They had nothing much left really. It's a mountain of debt because they borrowed, borrowed from the U.S. banks all through the war. They were still paying off the loans from World War I. And, but what they did have at the end of World War II was manufacturing for weaponry and aircraft, and jet aircraft too, they got into the commons and so on. And uh, they started to realize that, that you look at the, the oil r- regimes in the Middle East, And they got off the pally with them, especially Saudi Arabia and a few other ones. Other ones just deposed whoever whoever was in and put their own people in for a little while, like they did in Iran. Then they were thrown out eventually. And they've never forgiven Iran for that. But those in London wanted oil, the corporations. And they used generally the military. And then the best they could do is to start selling the weapons, you see. Still doing it today. And it's Awfully lucrative, tremendously lucrative. When you see what, for instance, Saudi Arabia buys from England every year, or London, and I, I hate using the, the nations. So that if you, you realise when you when they talk about England's doing this and Britain's doing it or Canada, it's not at all. It's a clique in your capitals, in the cities that are in charge of it all on behalf of those who really own the countries. It's not the people. And sometimes you, they leave you a little bit more. Uh, scrapings and breadcrumbs to keep the people happy. But uh, at the same time, they resent even that at the very, very top. And they have their great futuristic views of where they're taking the world. I mentioned before the, the novel, it was called uh, The Stonecutter. A story about uh, a medieval, uh, early medieval, really in a sense, where a, a, a stonemason but carry his son around. A very important this idea of passing everything on to your son, the true apprentice, you see. And he would carry his little son on his back when he would travel to new towns to when they're building cathedrals or castles or whatever it had to be, or big mansions for the for the elite and wealthy across Europe. And you get into the story, and uh, you find out that they have enemies, you see, at the, the lower levels of of masons, the stone masons. And it refers too, of course, to, to the modern Freemasonry that t- t- takes the, the, the use of terminology of Masonry and geometry, etc., and architecture, and of course the Old Testament to uh, to uh, well, really demystify uh, those at the bottom, and to eventually enlighten those who get up the higher degrees, so they can be used for higher things and keep silent about it, but. The book goes on about uh, how they had they have Hugh de Montfort, I think it was, the, the same one who was let loose upon the Albigensians in you know, in France, all the Alsace at the time, and uh, the, the Albigensians were doing their own thing. Uh, they were they had their own religion, they had their own uh, priesthood, and the. Uh, they rejected a lot of the of the the Catholic Church at that time, you see. But they also had other groups in with them too. There was even Jew, Jewish rabbis that were noted in amongst them. Uh, they were often uh, most of them were vegan, by the way. You know, a very important thing. The Abigensians also talked about uh, the evil of bringing children into the world. Awfully important. But because of their, of their, their, their different, um, opposition to authority, the ruling authorities and the nobilities, they, um, they were eventually put to the sword. Not all of them died naturally. Not everybody always does get killed off in any purge, but that's what happened to them. And, but, but this is incorporated, a little bit was incorporated in the book. So this terrible, Montford was a terrible character, you see and and you get in the book and, you're, and it's really interesting and all the rest of it and the dad's a really gruff guy not the brightest fellow the son's much swifter but uh, his son is noticed by the other uh, Masons around him They so, actual actually uh, like an officer command all the way down to NCOs and you know, i just like Mason Freemasonry you know, in a sense and they see the son has got these insights into situations political as well and they start to almost groom him he's getting kind of groomed and eventually they get they, they all meet a big annual gathering on an island uh, of the, all these different ranks of stonemasons, and you find out that they're all shocked eventually when the, 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 the Montfort turns up himself, and they're all aghast and horror because this is that like the Antichrist to them. You see, uh, and then but then they find, don't worry, don't worry, calm down, calm down, he's one of us. You see. And then you realise. The group, with it, with their, with their very secretive, and again, they're, they're, secretive in a sense, but their display of, of nature, the green man and so on, you'll see in all the, all the different, even churches in Britain, and temples and so on, representing nature and the man himself, the man who's part of the world and nature, etc. It's called occultic, but it's very understandable and easy to understand, really. So anyway, the whole idea was that if if you don't plan the future, the future will stagnate, the people will stagnate, and stagnation creates uh, unrest and unease amongst the people who are stagnating. Uh, You you found that in, in countries in Europe, and Britain was definitely one of them for a good period. After World War II Forget all the hype about the Beatles and stuff like that All that. This was amazing psychological warfare as well has been awful lucrative for those involved in the culture industry Who were also changing culture But the fact for the for average person It was awful for them the, the scarcity of money You couldn't get bank loads back then Unless you had uh, something to put up as collateral You couldn't even get a credit card in, in, in the UK that time you're supposed to be happy for this fake Made up uh, package deals like the Beatles you know, And many others you know, as That's how it was presented to the public And they go on the stage Like Top of the Pops Every group they went on And they did mime And you would notice that either didn't, generally didn't have any lead going on the guitar uh, If you're observing at all uh, or, or you would see that leads went nowhere They just went a dead end And taped on the floor and these, these package groups were really modeled after the American system, where you had, uh, the family type things, the Jackson Five and all that. And, um, and the Cassidys, was it the Cassidys as well, There's a whole bunch of them anyway, but they're like family things, all made for TV and, and, and music was all written for them and they're a package deal, etc. And that's how they did it in Britain too. It was the first time they'd really done that kind of thing for the teenage group in Britain. And they would throw movies out about, uh, about the guys. You'd get the four guys running here, laughing here, and getting chased by women and running away from them, and yada, yada, yada. All, all very, very silly stuff. Big package thing. But, but for the most of the public, they didn't have the cash. As, as I said before, there were freezes on, on wages, and freezes on everything, really. Except but the, even on prices, supposedly, but the prices kept going up anyway. And even energy was awfully expensive. A lot of folk in the working classes had meters in their homes. And you put initially it was a shilling I think it was. And you might get an hour uh, or or less than that for of electricity if you're using a bulb or two, you know. And of course it would go up all the time, they keep resetting the meters and uh, but yeah, you people things you took take for granted today. Uh, were in, in dire straits back then. Terrible. But they gave you all this, all this make-believe stuff for the youngsters to believe in, and the revolutionary thing behind it all too. Especially with, um, with uh, say the Bob Dylan stuff. Initially, it was all revolutionary stuff, along with the uh, John Byers. Uh And then it didn't work so well, so they changed it to sex, sex. You see, sex, sex, and drugs. That was the next stage because because that part wasn't doing too well. The old system. So revolution is a great way to foment it during stagnation times. Just like it is today, for those who haven't noticed the build up to the COVID before that broke out. A feeling of stagnation. What we're getting all the time was wars, across same wars, to the 30 years in the Middle East, eh? At least 30 years. And Afghanistan again, you know. And, uh, watching the US getting burned out with its with debt burden, for instance. Uh, except for the big corporations That are behind the wars and supplying it very lucrative And the companies that grabbed the oil And Tony Blair kind of admitted a bit of that too But But as I say It was a stagnation It was like nothing else is happening Things were getting more expensive uh, The money was becoming worth less and less after, that, Especially after that last crash 2007 and eight. So the, those who run the world And getting back to this book That's what it was about <laughs> It was well done actually as I say, they meet in Ireland, island they find out that that their arch enemy who who's the opposite they think he 's going to come and kill them all because they 're kind of occultic groups you know they 've all those passwords and secrets and stuff, and then they find out no he 's a nobility but he 's on our side and and then they meet the, and they meet the the bishops of the of the Catholic churches and different ones like that who are also in this particular group, so all sides that generally opposed each other. Uh, for the rest of the year or seem to it was all arranged to do so using a dialectical technique you know you want the change you want to guide the, the world in, your world into the, the future but so that you've planned so they decide where they want to take it and how to get, take it there and you must have uh, conflicting parties uh, again uh, the simplest technique is if there's only two then it's the, it's the thesis antithesis and synthesis You've got the thesis, right? Here's the ruling system. As it is this is how you live. Here's some people who we want a different system. So you oppose things, and you get it going, and out of the arguments and the debates, you get and sometimes wars. <laughs> you get the the synthesis that which is the goal you wanted in the first place. You've got to have opposing parties to to get change going. So that's part of the technique of ruling the world, is by those elite people. Planning the, the where they want to take the world, their worlds they never, they'll never do without. They'll, they'll never make the world equal for themselves, please, except they're, except that they're equally running it all on top, or owning it all on top. But they'll never jump into the same uh, financial system as you're into. Believe you me. And uh, so yeah, they all met in Ireland, and they, and, and they're actually groomed the young boy. You see, they want the, they call visionaries. They want to do visionary the guy with insight and it gave him a lot of power initially uh, but it, it, his ego gets, gets carried away with his own ego eventually and screws something up royally and he's demoted and banished to a little island off Scotland I think it was uh, to live in a, in a monastery it is a, it, with a vow of silence you, in other words you, want, you, you can't tell anybody what you're up to right, or what you've done in the past you're part of the brotherhood but it was interesting the whole concept uh, that that's how you rule the world you, you create the enemies and yet they're not enemies at all only the general public think they're all enemies and they'll believe it and they'll even tell their children oh so and so they hate us or they're going to do this to us well you don't realize the leaders are all on board for the, for the same agenda you see and that's what we have today isn't it we've we had the crash in 2007 2008 all these years i've i've lost count of talks i've i've given from not just the World Economic Forum, but the different departments of population control <laughs> uh, that have come out uh, over many, many years. Uh, they're on the go before I was born, too, uh, talking about, uh, oh, there'd be too many people, and the baby boomers, you know, people born after World War II would be called the baby boomers. Like They never had children before, apparently, and then they said that there'll be old folk eventually. Those, those baby boomers will be old eventually. And that's going to be a crisis as well. They never told you why it would be a crisis. Because I found out by studying intensely that they've had old, old folk down through history. I never knew that. Eh? So the baby boomers are going to get old, eh? And uh, my God, what, what are you going to do with all these old folk? And they've told us in the last few years, they're more open about it. They've got their their favorite psychologists coming out and and so-called philosophers. And the bioethics, of course, this new science. where They know what moral is, but you don't. You need an expert to explain it to you. The the same scenario that you had with, um, and it's an awfully good little quip. I I watched it again the other day. I've got it saved on a disc somewhere. It was uh, the meaning of life. By Monty Python crew, and opens up with with John Cleese and one of these, what, the guys from Monty Python, and white coats chapping on a door, not as ch- a chapping, is a knock. You see, it's a chapping on a door, and uh, a woman opens it up. It's one of the other members of the team, and uh, they ask to the address, the whole thing, and as is, is your husband, and, and he mentions the name. That's him. Yes, he's through there and they, they go they go through there and luckily whip out his liver. You see he get his liver because he'd put it down that he was going to be a donor if it didn't happen to him or got ill or anything. And they didn't wait till, till he died, they just come and went and got his liver. And that that the whole thing, and then they try to talk the the wife into giving the liver as well at the end of it by making her realise how small she was and was in this massive universe with his planet's Swirling around space and galaxies and so on at thousands of miles an hour, etc. And how small you are and all oh, this great schema. And she okay, okay, and then you got your work and whip out the liver. And again, it, it's, you understand this whole idea of bioethics has been promoted and promoted and promoted for, for years and you, even when the Monty Python and the crew all met, met, I think it was at Oxford, it was one the university, they met at, and they got that kind of stuff, putting their faces there too, where the world would go and how it'd be run, and experts would draw us all. Because Britain came out of World War Two after opposing National Socialism, they came out as an international socialist country. <laughs> I'd mean, be communist if you like, but communism's often good to those who rule it, because it means the people have to scrape at the bottom with their wages freezes and price freezes and all that and the rationing of electricity, and, and, and poor food, if you can afford the decent stuff at all, you can get access to it. But the elite love it. Uh, getting, that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's the same scenario, you see. We're run by the bioethicists. They keep telling us, there's too many of you. Like I said, like it's a crime. There's too many of you, right? And, and they just know it, and you should feel terrible about existing. And so they went to town by social engineering a whole generation, and I even mentioned that back in the 90s. I says, right now the children, the children's books, because that was all the rage then, there were awfully good exposés on at the time of, of, of the grants that were given by our tax money. <laughs> uh, and the culture industry, as they like to call it, from government. Every government's got a department of culture. You know what it's about? It's to upgrade the, 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 the beliefs of the, the upcoming children, you see. And you get paid money. It's all due if you write children's books and incorporate all the, all the, all the new political correct things into it, you know. And, and the child grows up thinking all these things are quite normal because it's in storybooks and adults would tell you if it was bad, but they don't because they themselves feel guilty if they say, oh, maybe the child, you know, may upset him to find out the truth here. Well, all kinds of things are are engineered into all these different stories and movies for children as well. And that's how you shape the future, through the culture industry, you see, and through politics, and through all that the organized and well-funded and directed, and the leaders are also applied to them. <laughs> uh, all these different groups that oppose each other, either in politics or the ones in, in the riots you, you get too, civil disobedience and stuff like that. And I caught on that myself, as I said, many, many, many years ago, how that part was all run. And uh, you, you'll find those who organise, who, who are the real organisers, are well looked after financially. They know what the, what the score is. They know they're using everybody that follows. And But they get, well, well, the, the non-governmental organisations, they're all in the, the heads of them. I think I mentioned this last week. I mentioned that years when it actually happened years ago when the, the globalist meetings were on with the big international global corporations with the governments so all meeting in Canada and different countries. And uh, there was massive demonstrations with the students who had legitimate beefs about uh, the, the thing that initially was anti-global because they didn't want the, the, these massive corporations uh, exploiting third world countries for the cheapest labour and getting in ma- immense profits because of the cheapness of labour and, and then, then they they'd, they'd get paid by your tax money to import it back into our countries so we, could, we would buy the stuff there and they would keep the prices at the same price as they were made in Britain or Europe or, or America or whatever uh, but the fact there it was, it was a fraction of the cost so it was massive profits for them massive greed profits hasn't changed and the politicians looked down you actually saw them they had camera crew up there from some TV station and they allowed that quip out to the public, that little bit, where they look down and says, well, who are they? Well, the, the, what party, what groups are they? And they mentioned some of the names of these different groups that opposed them, the student groups and so And they said, well, why don't we just invite some of the leaders on, to come up here? And they did. And then they put those same leaders on salaries. And that's why they're very selective and what, they're, what they're, pro- they're told to what they protest. The leaders are all well-paid on salaries living high in the hog, really, really high in the hog. You get paid a lot of the working class people. They're not working class, they don't see them. And, and they, they get all the followers, and they get well-trained, by the way. There's uh, there, there's all kinds of um, government agencies that deal with training folk for subversion. But that's what, your own MI6 in Britain, and you've got CSIS in, in Canada, and many other organizations, and again, CIA is one of the experts at it now. And they they literally are are masters at how they create uh, organizations to to foment rebellion. I I gave the talks on soft power, creating the creation of soft power, they call it, and how they use it across a good part of Europe. Uh, And Soros does it too, because they're all one big club. There there are no enemies here, we understand that at the top. And that's why uh, your, your CIA, your Mossad, your, your MI6, all the different groups at the very t- are all on board with the same agenda. All of them. And you couldn't keep any of them out, could you? You'll get your own, your own group will eventually be infiltrated. And they found that before World War II started with many of the different organizations that existed then. And so you bring them all on board in a big pact working together. And, uh, again, you play just like the adversaries, the, the fake adversaries that you had in that book, that's uh, Stonecutter, yeah. And, uh, it, it's quite fascinating when you see how that's how the world really is run. It's like John McCarr reading some of his books as well. Uh, you get little, don't get wrapped up in the story, I don't. <laughs> but what's interesting is that the little bits of techniques they'll show you on the way you see how everyone is still disposable except the the very ones at the top the ones who don't go out in the field so to speak are more important you're the ones who, who play the chess games with using thousands of people sometimes millions across the world and that's how the world's really run We've gone through this this whole COVID thing. Oh, the world is going to fall apart, and and the sky is falling. But initially, it, were, it was they made sure that everybody saw We well we saw the little bits from China, and oh you know, horror stories came out. Of China horror stories, and there was no censorship in the west part about the horror stories. And there was no cry from, from the big tech companies about, oh, that's, that's false, and that's bad, it's not, it's not true information. It's false, false news. But none of that, no. They made sure you got your hefty, hefty doses of terror, you see. And, uh, and then of course the, the World Health Organization, and then Fauci too, declared that, um, that pandemic and only 100 odd cases outside of China at that time. That's impossible. You understand this. That's Or well, we changed the rules for just for this We changed the rules on the definition of how to define a pandemic. You don't need numbers anymore, figures. <laughs> Which is your first clue is a big, big con going on here. Massive con. course, Many things have come to, to light along the way too. But the fact is the media... We're calling everybody else, you know, fake news. There were, look what's happening in China, and you put the links on there's all the, oh, on there's these massive trucks going down the streets in Wuhan and blasting this mist out of them. They've got hundreds of feet into there. And guys carrying these blasters, the blast of stuff from backpacks and so on. Like heavy mists and, uh, uh, horror horror my god my, and, and wuhan wuhan and oh my god there's a bio lab not for this you know you know a couple of miles away yadda 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 so we all got the picture we've all got the picture that was meant to be put across and then of course it, it literally Sage and the group that sage. There's, there's different uh, levels of sage. Understand, and some of them, some are so you yet. You still won't get the names of some of them yet. But I've got the names of sage and one of the subgroups that, that is specialising in, in terror, the creation of terror on the public, and and they, and I've got the I've got the, the actual form they gave out to the media. All different media were given them. Uh, the, the step-by-step thing of, of how they'd have to basically terrorize the public into compliance. And, and so the different levels of terrorization on the public uh, and to increase anxiety, they said, for those who, who were unwilling to comply with all the rules. So, it's a nice way of, ter- call it, well, we don't call it terrorizing, no, we call it increasing anxiety. It may lead to depression, maybe even suicides. Uh, but but listen, it has to be done to make them comply. This is animal management. I hope you understand. This is Pavlovian here. <laughs> and your own governments employ these agencies to terrorize you. This is not new, by the way. It's been done many times. They use it in warfare. Oh, you're all going to die unless you hate those folk that we're going to go to war with. And we want you to hate them so you will go to war with them. That's standard stuff. But again, here you have it. See, in a socialized system now—a good atheized, socialized system with experts rule. And so, in the Soviet, the new Soviet is in the West. You see, and and this is a, this is their mantra: science rules, and, and all all these psychologists and behaviorists and neuroscientists, they are all on board together with their hands out and filling up their massive pockets that they have in those white coats. You've noticed, eh? Because they fill out, the, the grants are getting thrown out like, like confetti to them. And they, these are your future multi-billionaires here, folks. Oh, give me another, I could sit and write 10 studies a day of imaginary things quite easily. And, and, and give me another few million every other day and, and I'll, I'll, I'll investigate these things further. I can keep churning the stuff. And that's what they do, folks. But the psychological teams are are just weapons. These, these are weapons experts, weapons of the mind, you see. That's what they use on you. And they understand you and what well, makes you tick. And they, they understand how you'll react to scenarios if they present it in the proper way to make you react in, in absolute fear and terror and panic. And then they'll guide you where they want you to go. I mentioned this even in the 90s, that's what they do when... The, the, the public are quite happy because they're, they're natural people. You see, and they're quite happy uh, to to be again pretty stagnant sometimes in, in a field or two for grazing. away. if it's quite, if it's not too bad, uh, and there's, there's there's good trash getting churned out on television just to make you you, you kind of you know, fade out when you come back from work. If you've got a job that is, and you can just. Uh, fade out in front of the television set uh, watching uh, trash really it's all trash really it's been trash for an awful long time it just churned out trash just like Orwell talks about in 1984 where machines would churn out the music too maybe even the novels the porno novels maybe in the movie type things that's what he was getting at that it'd be so automatic automated as long as the main message got out there, there didn't, you know, it didn't matter about the quality so much. And that's what TV was too. But it also updated you, as I say, with all the new PCs. Oh, I shouldn't think about that like that anymore. I should accept this new normal. And oh, there's another new normal and I'll accept that too. And then you get again more experts that would come out and, and you sit and watch that, that trash you get all the time buried in experts. Did you know, you know, that blah, blah, blah. That, that there's one I'll put up tonight. From, I thought it was a joke at first. But again, somebody's got their hand out. Maybe it is still a joke, because it, it is technically a joke, isn't it? Where literally they said that the, the strangers have been sexed during COVID should still wear masks. <laughs> I thought, there you go, eh? aren't uh, you kind of eyes wide shut, thing, very kinky. But, but whether it's real or not, it wouldn't surprise me because there's all kinds of farces going on with the hands out, as for, for government throws out trillions of your your hard-earned cash. That's going to value your currency forever and ever and ever to these parasites. Parasites—they're all got their, their little confetti degrees from university on this, that, and the other to be experts and. Rubbish, Absolute tripe. And the prostitutes, basically. I, I have no time for these people at all. They're shallow. They're, they're psychopathic, no doubt about it. They have no guilt on what they're doing um, to the public. And, and, and reaping such incredible benefits of misery. Uh-huh. And, uh, they're psychopaths, no doubt about it. And they turn this tripe out. Constantly, just daily. But you don't realize, you've had that your whole life, you know. I can remember years ago, in Britain, they, they, sh- they showed us some of the, the TV talk shows. To give us an example, this was showing you how it was done in America with talk shows, uh, back in uh, maybe the 70s, maybe even before that, but the 70s for sure, 80s. And Phil Donahue was one of the guys they showed you. But they showed you, and this is was obvious too, when you saw the ending of one of Donahue's shows, the thing went on, for, for unrolled for 10 minutes of the names and organization, professionals and psychologists, and, that put all this thing together for that one hour show, maybe 40 minutes really, 45 minutes once you got the answer. And what they could do was present something with the, the then was the kind of shock value, but done with authority and, and a and a, a, a would always speak with, with command and authority if you know, he knew what he was talking about. And one of them was was women, um, about four women on, on stools, I think you're high chairs. And he says this is, this is some some real professional woman to discuss things and they, but you don't they don't tell you that they, ever, ever, even then they had such a great um Surveyed done on on the public, they knew who was right wing, left wing, in the middle, progressive, meaning they're all for all kinds of new kind of ideas, sexually, or whatever, yadda yadda yadda, uh, and so they knew And so they asked the right audience for each particular topic. That that stumbles on today for different things. So they had the right ones in, uh, and, and he says, "But these women he said, he said, as soon said, it they mentioned their names. They're." They might not be liked by many townsfolk because they're, they're women of the night. They're, they're, they're madams and prostitutes. And there was sort a of big, like, ah, oh, hush, which of course was expected. They gave them, everything was done so perfectly, like, they'll, they'll probably go, oh, now at this and that, and so they give you a pause for that. Everything's prearranged. The audience, audience don't even know it themselves, Jeremy. Most of them, anyway. And so it starts off with, with that. That's, that's years ago too, when there was still a bit of, um, ideas of right and wrong, because I mean, prostitutes and all this kind of stuff can damage family units, which makes towns up, and, and eventually communities up too, and, and families, which all, that can help destroy them. We know that now, it's been pretty successful. But, uh, they had the normal response back there, oh my god, oh dear, oh. But within the 45 minutes to an hour, uh, he'd ha- and the way it was presented step by step pre managed, you see it 's all worked out and produced before before it was produced, if you like, and all these experts and psychologists and psychiatrists working on their scripts with them, they actually had the women crying on behalf of these women because that 's such a hard life to get out on and and they 're they're, 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 they're earning money and and they 're doing the community a service now you see and that 's back then. And that, that's how slick it is done. You don't realize it until you, if you're these talk shows, you look at that the longest part of the talk show is, is when you unroll all the credits at the end and all the different participants and organizations and agencies and that all took part in that to make that one hour possible. Very important, you know is that. Most folk don't even think of that. They, they, they really think it's all, it's all spontaneous. There's nothing across that comes across TV that's spontaneous. TV is one of the most powerful tools that's ever been invented, damn weapons. I think even what's his name, the um, the producer, the TV producer or the movie producer, Spielberg mentioned the same thing. It's a great weapon, you know, one of the greatest tools and weapons. Others have said the same thing, of course. And um, Orwell and different off the cuff uh, comments about radio at the time and the coming technologies that would be shown in movies at that time. Of course, they had that it was tremendous tools and power for for managed change, it doesn't mean it's a good change because that those in charge, tyrants can use it so easily, which obviously they do. The things you take for granted, as I say is astonishing, and why shouldn't you take things for granted? You'd be ultra ultra paranoid and biting your nails and neurotic at everything if you are brought up with, with, with just a basic crash course as a child like a crash course and how the system really, really works you're meant to be naive you're meant to take things at face value and then you're a good citizen because you'll comply with everything you're told to comply with that's awfully important to those who control societies now, when you when you have a, a massive experiment going on, which is also part of, of a complete change, it's meant to be a, a new world order member, a completely new way of living coming out of the COVID. And they talked about that, that nothing would ever be the same again, told by Mr. Foxy, not little Foxy Foxy, uh, Foxy Fauci, Uh, A man who's so involved with this big, (laughs) big, uh, what can you say, Uh, well-worked-out agenda, along with Bill Gates. And they've got their fingers on all the pies that's profiting from it, it would seem to me. And it's not just guessing either. And with the complicity of all parties in all countries, eh? and all agencies of government, remember, you're right back again to the island in the Tsongkaja. Where they all meet there. All the different supposed opposites. Uh, the ones you really truly believe are arch enemies. are ready to kill each other. No, they're, they're pals and a brotherhood as they manage the world. And shape it through conflict and, and public arguments. And even repression. Uh, even killing people uh, of the peasantry and so on. To, to make changes happen. But it's all planned out ahead of time. Getting by. See, all sides are complicit at the very high levels of government. They could never ever be always at loggerheads with each other. But when it's not efficient, don't forget their whole motto is efficiency. Technocracy, efficiency. You see? Where experts will run everything. The, co- the whole communist system was based on atheism and science was a new religion. Science. And, and through science they'd conquer everything, but they'd also rule everything. And that was, that was all kinds of, of social experts, again, and psychologists and behaviors. They, they they'd manage the population and they'd have perfect peace when you're all trained into being zombies. You see? So it, it it really took participation. And, and even during the Cold War, even as a child, I said, this thing is, is so fishy. The whole Cold War scenario, because I went to library, and we had good libraries in Scotland. If they didn't have the right books, and they'd order it for you if you knew what you were looking for, and what you wanted. But they had great reference libraries, too. And and uh, they went through the whole... They had these books on, on the science of warfare, things like that. Uh, and they would go into the Cold War strategy, etc. cetera, et cetera. And you'd have, again, you'd have all these specialists uh, announcing that those with, the, with the, the most advanced technologies would win this Cold War and any kind of war. In fact, that still goes true today. Even one of the, the top generals this against Trump you know, recently, I looked into the one, that you, you know what he is. Who's turned against them? You know, if, uh, there's a, a, a bunch of them turned against them, but there's, there's lots and lots and lots of generals, remember. They make it seem like they're all against them. But, uh, you, you forget too, a lot of them are also on the payroll of the military industrial complex. There's an awfully rich, an awful lot of rich multimillionaire generals out there. And they also belong to the Brotherhood too, of course. And the Brotherhood is part of the establishment. You see, it is the establishment at the very top. And there's low orders of it and higher orders of it, of course. But you find, as I say, efficiency, for efficiency's sake, you see, why would you always be at loggerheads with an enemy like Russia during the Cold War? And and since science and the top scientists, they're always talking about, oh, they'll steal our scientists and, and occasionally you'd have that in the papers, oh my God, if, if this top scientist leaves Britain, we'll be left as defenseless, you'll work for the Russians, and, and vice versa, and so on. But what you find is all through the Cold War, all different types of science would, would, it, would have its own meetings with the Soviet systems, annual, sometimes twice a year, So you had the physicists meeting twice a year and you have the different ones for psychology again because they're all involved and how do you keep your populations placid and, you know, and obedient. Uh, Things like that. And other ones would deal with food supplies, agriculture, and they'd, they'd either meet at the United Nations or they'd meet in Russia. It was generally Russia they went to meet. It was interesting to me. And the British taxpayer would have to fund it. And I thought, well, why would you, why would you be so terrified of them defecting to the Soviet system? Uh, but at the same time, yeah, you, you're top top atomic scientists uh, and, and bio warfare expert. All this kind of stuff. Uh, why would you have them meeting their counterparts in Russia to share what's for advancement of science? No, these folk were all involved <laughs> in weaponization of different things. Yeah. You know? Why would? But it was allowed. Which which told me this thing is this is not as, what they're what they're telling us is obviously really. If the book said it, and they all said it, you know, that was what we were all taught, again, officers, colleges, too, would teach the, the military. Same thing, that science is going to, those with the most advanced science will win and dominate, and, but here's your best scientist every year going over to meet the current person in Russia. It made no sense at all. None at all. Until you realize, you're back to that, that book again, uh, the stone cutter. And that's what you do, because after all, since it's all based on efficiency, why wouldn't you have uh, agreements with them? Because you all want the same things, don't you? Efficiency. And the the Soviet system was also was to really push for the elimination of religion. And the West too, took on that role more and more and more again through TV and movies and so on. Uh, it, it pushed and it, all the joking uh, and, and the, you know the the gesturing and nasty gestures toward religion all get sunk through until the folk became atheized themselves and just fell away. And the Church of England was a joke because it was so progressive in, in the, the lefty sense of this, the, the thing. There's nothing left to save, you see. And then when when, they, when you end up having archbishops, Archbishop of Archbishop Canterbury who Who's a druid and a very high Freemason too, and belongs to different groups as well, apart from the druids. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, it's over and done with, you know. And then you'd, you had mass defections of what was left back to the Catholic Church, others to the, the to the Eastern Orthodox Church. Because they realised that the war that we fighting against the communists in the east <laughs> had actually had um, destroyed what was left of their own system back home, with the complicity of their own governments, of course. Religion, really, uh, in Brit- Britain, uh, was it was tied to the to the crown. that's was why it also went under because in World War One, as an example, even before but in World War One. Uh, with, with the crown and the king or the queen being the, the head of the Church of England then uh, obviously how, how could you have all your ministers and priests blessing and telling the folk to, to be behind wars which were antithetical to to the peace and love and all the rest of it, it didn't work and and so with the, the, the shock of mass deaths in World War One and the mass depression for financial after it too and it got into World War II uh, Britain didn't, didn't uh, really improve because of uh, the uh, war you see war pulls you out of the depression the physical, uh, the financial depression but Britain didn't because uh, it was on rationing and, and tokens really were used uh, for, uh, just as well as this money during World War II but once again uh, the, the church tried it, it, it failed really uh, to, to promote the war in um, their churches and and but the, the, after World War II there's nothing left really, to, to stand up for they're broken everything they stood for and it faded away it fell away you see sadly because then you're in to the, the scientific system running your lives and you believe in it and you're taught to believe in it there 's science you're, you're humanists you know that's our term for it too a secular humanist it has their own manifesto and it is a religion as well the man man is a god for you, and, and uh, the right gods the right human gods should rule over the rest of you it, it, it's very greek in a sense isn't it i always thought that when i was young i thought you know um, the greek idea of gods like a hierarchy of gods and it's wonderful too how they're all based on kind of humans. They kind of look like humans, most of them. Although they can change their form and shape shifters, etc. And the Greeks had fantastic stories. The children must have loved it, even back then. But the Greeks would talk about, uh, again, degrees of godhood. And that the, the earth itself was the lowest form of existence. And over, because everything was base and and temporal and temporary for, for humans and animals and things. We didn't live that long back in those days, something. And and you're at the mercy of the winds and 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 uh, the, the climate and all the rest of it too. And you're at the mercy of bad food supplies at times and wars and famines. Things often brought on by people too. So it wasn't the greatest place to be. So you, you turn to the gods. And, yet, and what was good about it to suppose, you see, as a primitive man. They weren't so primitive, they're actually, they're pretty intelligent, the in Greeks. But they, they, they'd, have, they'd have different gods, which is like India. And by the way, they they're well aware of India and, and Hinduism, uh, etc. The, the, the Greeks studied all the different religions. But they knew uh, that uh, the public, as they're suffering... It would help to calm them to some extent to give them hope in, in t- tough times to pray different gods for different functions, and that became awfully important even and, and even the church adopted that and the Catholic Church adopted some of that too with saints and so on, different ones for special purposes, special problems it 's very human it 's a human thing, really when you think about it because there 's times where nothing scientific is going to dissatisfy you. That that old saying, the world is not enough, can be awfully true at times. Wait, if you went through really terrible, horrible times in your life, and, and it's true, the world is not enough. There's no book out there or self-help that's going to help you. Uh, they turn these things out machines do things so fast. It's incredible. But uh, there's a spiritual side to humans. That Some folk want more than others. They desire it more. It's not a weakness, by the way. Total atheists will try to say it's a complete weakness, but it's not. It's a natural thing. And if you get experiences from it that, uh, that are beneficial to you, then obviously there's nothing wrong with them, you know. But the Greeks is again, they knew the world was somehow bad, like kind of like the, the Albigensians, later in Albigensians. And, and so the, the god that was in charge of the world would be the lowest form, the, the Demiurgos. A kind of a bully type god, kind of strict and all the rest of it. Very human in some ways, but there's other gods above them. That's how they kind of tried to work it out to be. And had, the Greeks also had all the different um, schools of thought. They call them schools, and only the, the the wealthier classes got education. That's where the word school comes from. school to, from for for really leisure, you know. So the their upper classes had had more instruction in philosophies than debate life and and the meaning of life if you like more than other people's and and this wrote it down for future generations to see so you you understand that the the, the enemy of of basic human real human feelings and needs which cannot be supplied all the time by material goods you know are spiritual and The one thing that the left and the the humanists have hated and the technocrats for for all this time is this remnant of either religion uh, uh, They don't mind New Age spirituality because the New Agers uh, can be trained very quickly into sustainability through the food that they're eating, what not to eat, what they should eat, what they should avoid don't eat meat. Be totally vegan. Step by step is like a cult. They're brought into this this way of thinking and it's much easier today, by the way, with say the last oh, twenty years of heavy indoctrination through what they call the new age. I'll, I'll put up. I might put up a little um, a YouTube link to, to a comedic sketch. And you got to laugh at yourself. I don't care who you are. If if you're offended by things all the time, then then you really have problems. You're not living. you 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 got to get a life in some way. If you can't laugh at yourself, everybody should laugh at themselves sometimes. And this comedian, this is all skit. spirituality. How do how do you spiritual people? You mean the New Age type? And then what you call the modern new age that came out of the old flower power era and got worse and worse and worse to them. It completely changed his character. How do they argue? You know, It's a little comedy sketch he does and it's awfully, awfully well done. The guy's really good and the, the team who else put it together obviously is very professional in some ways. But... But that has happened. In, in the sketch, you'll see a lot of that going on. It's easier to train the, the, the ones who, who had the heavy, heavy, heavy brainwashing in school that the world's going to end tomorrow because of mismanagement of the planet. They, they, they don't know. They have no idea. The office was, was written down years before they were born of how to man, just like the, the terror campaign for COVID managed by the government's using their PSYOP teams and so on this isn't conspiracy stuff they, they published it it's been published up, I'll put it up tonight to show you how they, they, would, they would just terrify the public and, and apply extra anxiety on them etc etc without letting them know that, 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 that they were doing it <laughs> you got to understand this well they've been doing it all through school for 20 odd years and more maybe 30 years Preparing, preparing today since then. Today's just a combination of all that indoctrination from then. With the right generation, all stirred up, ready to, almost ready to go and kill uh, anybody older than themselves. I'm not kidding about that. They tried, this is a communist technique. The communists are run by them too. There are no opposing sides. There are no the leaders in all opposing sides. I mean the real high leaders, and they do have high leaders who manage this like a chessboard. Are all in in the same clubs, you know? Again, you must get change. You must create opposing sides, and say, oh well, let's work this out and and get a compromise, which means change. You see, plan change.